Welcome to On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. I'm John Williams from WGN Radio. With a long history of leadership in treatment for substance use and mental health disorders, Rosecrans has grown to more than 60 locations across Chicago, northern Illinois, and central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Rosecrans is a private, not-for-profit organization offering comprehensive, nationally accredited, evidence-based addiction and mental health treatment for children, teens, young adults, and adults. In this series, we will focus on youth and their pandemic-related recovery. Knowing that young people face challenges in the best of times, the coronavirus world of 2020 and 2021 have made some of life's obstacles even more acute. This podcast is titled The Whole Family. What challenges have families faced and what are the steps to recovery? Joining us are Jason Relly, LCPC Rosecrans Clinical Director, and Sandra Riley, CADC MISA Rosecrans Outreach Counselor. Welcome both. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank so, you. Sandra, let's start with you. You are the Outreach Counselor. So what does that mean you do? I do assessments for adolescents and adults when somebody has brought to light that there are some challenges with either their mental health issues or with their substance use issues. So you do some sort of assessment when they first reach out to Rosecrans? Yes. So you may be one of their first contact points, right? Very often I am, yes. And I would imagine that's a really anxious moment for an adult or a teen. For both. And then what's that like? Can you just walk me through what that interaction is that you have with them a little bit? Our assessment at Rosecrans is really a very comprehensive assessment. We talk about their substance use, what's going on with the family. We also talk about mental health, if there's any legal issues, any any medical issues. So we get a really good picture of the whole person, and we then make recommendations on that. And I guess you're also relying on the candor of the people that are sitting there too, right? And and the people that, that we would use as collaborators for that. Yes. Because I'm just wondering if there's sometimes some resistance to even being involved in this. Maybe somebody doesn't want to go to Rosecrans. They don't want to talk to a therapist or a counselor. So then what's your role then? I guess you you sort of need to uh, get as much information as you can, be nurturing as well. Do you score people then on how severe you are assessing the problem that walks in the door? We really look at behaviors and behaviors will tell us a lot about maybe some of the things that are unsaid that teens often have a way of saying, I got this. It's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. But we have some behaviors that may suggest that it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Plus, we are in a situation where we're able to get some urine toxicology screens because it just helps people to be a little bit more honest when being honest is really hard. So the, the the child, maybe even the parent doesn't know, but they'll say one thing, but the uh, the lab results are different. Right. Which um, right. in and of itself might be a kind of an eye-opener for everybody, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, jump in there, Jason. What are you hearing and what is that like, that whole process? There are times where the family may not even be aware of what's going on as difficulties or they're seeing one thing and that teen will now have an opportunity to talk to a professional that they haven't had. And there may be some 
added honesty. I think a lot of individuals think sometimes they don't want to share, but there are plenty of individuals who come in and this is the first time they're getting to tell their story as well. And, and then there's compassionate individuals on the other side that are willing to listen. I'm imagining a scene where it's hostile and resistant, but maybe this is the floodgates and they're, they're almost – maybe happy to be there isn't the right way to put it, but maybe this is a positive experience. It can be both. The positive experience can be that first time I'm getting to share my feelings with someone, my emotions, especially during COVID-19 and the pandemic, that opportunity to have that social interaction, even over virtual webcam, it's still an opportunity. I'm getting asked about me. I get to discuss some of these things. And even though I'm hesitant, I still have an opportunity to share. And I know I kind of need help in this moment. Sandra, would you say that these conversations are a little different in a COVID world, in a post-COVID world? They, they are a little different in a post-COVID world and in a COVID world because there's a lot of things that walk into that. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of family members that are really very afraid of how their child is doing. There's a lot of family members that don't know even how to navigate the world themselves. And so it is an added extra challenge for them. But I, but I know that parents are more than happy for support now. Would you say that I, they're so happy for the support and they really like the direction? What they do you really mean by like direction? the guidance. The guidance. You know, understanding the process. The process is everything, right? What do I do? My, my kid's in trouble. They're not going to school. They're feeling. They're in e-learning and they're feeling all of the classes in e-learning. What am I, what am I supposed to do? You know, and understanding the process says that Rosecrans is here to help. You know, reach reach out to us. We're happy to help you. And maybe that a child is struggling in school and the family's concerned um, could be evidence that there's a problem or it could be that that's, a, that's the pandemic for you. That's Zoom learning and that's all it is, right? I mean, I guess that's a possibility too. How would I know which is which? Right, which is why I think parents are reaching out. Yeah. Uh, um, Maybe the kid knows. Maybe the the young person knows and and has been hesitant to say as well. They will share that information. It's interesting. A couple of individuals I I just spoke with in the last couple of weeks, teens that came into our residential treatment facility, just asking them about the impact of the last year. What has it changed for them? What routines? How has it changed the family dynamics? They have been able to point to certain things. I've had several individuals anecdotally share, well, I know I struggle in virtual learning because I'm not getting the lessons. I'm not being taught by a person or I struggle with attention deficit or, you know, so I cannot stay on virtual for a long period of time or I'm not seeing my friends and getting that interactions that I used to. So I'm isolated from the world and it was my one outlet away from this family system that I don't always feel is the safest or bravest space for me. Bravest. What do you mean by that? When we like to think about a safe place, it is a place where someone feels comfortable But I also don't want to assume that every place we're creating is always the safest place just because we are professionals or there are family members. So I just ask for individuals to be open to the experience and 
be a little bit vulnerable and, and be brave to come forward with some of your emotions and have that willingness and, and desire to do so. So it doesn't mean you always feel the most comfortable, but it means you're willing to do something about that discomfort. I guess it uh, requires a certain amount of bravery, you know, if, if that's a good word to put on it, for the parents too. I mean, you've got, mm-hmm. this is tough and you've got to address this monster. Let's, let's go, this issue, this, this elephant in the room, huh? Mm-hmm. It is difficult for parents, and when they say it, they have to in some way or shape or form own it, and once they own it, they are compelled to take some action on it. Own it, meaning take some responsibility that what the child is going through is somewhat their responsibility? Or their responsibility to respond to. Yeah, right. I mean, boy, maybe that's a hang-up, right? Like, whose fault is this? Whose responsibility is this? Should we not even worry about that? Is that just a a hole that we'll go down and never come out of? How relevant is that issue? We can keep going and play that game over and over again where we're always questioning the decisions we're making, the things that we're doing, whose fault is it? And we may not ever have those answers, but what we do know is someone's struggling right now, the family's struggling, the teen is struggling, and it's not always only up to you to provide that support or decide. You can have those professionals that are are more than willing to help have those difficult conversations to provide resources for everyone in the family to get that level of support, guidance, and then new tools for the toolbox. Tools for the toolbox, because I'm wondering if maybe the parents need... um help as much as the as the young person uh, i mean literally like, let's let's talk to mom and dad about what are you doing what are you saying how are you interacting with them is that part of the assessment or is that part of the treatment plan the treatment plan includes the whole family so we have family therapy that's available we have parent cafes we have a family program at our residential site at rosecrans but the family has to be included they're the support system. So if someone's going to a residential facility and is away for 42 days, they're still going back to the same environment. So we have to support those family members with different ways to say things, different warning signs, so that when that child comes back and has learned all these skills, the parents also have the skills to support them at home. Otherwise, the same things are going to happen over and over again. Well, I just want you guys to fix it and we stay the same. I suppose there's that attitude out there, right? That that happens a lot where that teenager is identified as the client, the problem, but really the family becomes the entire client where we want to help to support you. And it isn't something where we're going to point fingers at them or say it's your fault. We We want to provide an atmosphere where you are feeling that you're supported. And if it's not through professionals and us, maybe connecting to a network of other parents or individuals that can support you who have been through some of these similar struggles. Is that the parent cafe you were talking about? What does that mean? What is that? So Parent Cafe is a support support group that Rosecrantz started several years ago to really respond to the needs of the community, that we had parents that wanted to know, parents that wanted to help, parents that wanted to understand, parents that wanted to make some parenting changes, and a different set of parenting skills. Plus, they needed other people to talk to that understood what they were going through. They love to come together as a group of parents and get support from each other and kind of get a little bit 
of help being being honest with themselves. Is this an online community, or did, would they meet at a coffee shop or something? We started out as a coffee shop, and again, when the pandemic hit, they, we were very quick to be able to go to virtual services, and we do them now over WebEx. That might almost be a better avenue. In some ways, it's more accessible, and maybe sometimes people are a little more candid or, or free with their thoughts when they're typing is it typing? Is no, it, is it it's face virtual. Face? Yeah, oh, it's really? all yeah, it's all through WebEx. And what it has done, what it has done when um, we did put services virtual, it took away geography. Yeah, you don't have to live near Naperville or Warrenville. You know, I have people that, that attend my groups that are from Wisconsin, that are from Indiana, that are far, some of our southern Danville, Macomb. What do they say in these sessions? Oh, I don't know. I, I could probably go on for hours about what they say in these sessions. Well, that's why we're here. I'm <laughs> curious because I I can imagine there's some emoting or some anger, or some, but, but I don't know maybe specifically what sorts of things do you hear in these sessions. So there's so much about being – we talk a lot about – the first thing that we talk a lot about is that this is really can be a very twisted journey, that it's not going to be just a straight path. It's going to have some twists and turns in it that they have a recovery that they need to embark in of their own. The the adult. Yeah, the parents. And twists and turns, meaning I'm feeling good today and then tomorrow it seems like everything is going wrong. That's right. Sort of it can turn on a dime. It can change on a dime. Yeah. And, for example, I had a parent that came to group yesterday that whose child was previously in treatment. We thought everything, they thought everything was good, changed on a dime, was able to call our Rosecrans, our um, adolescent facility, and be able to get her son into treatment with us from Madison, Wisconsin, drove to Rockford, came back to Madison, Wisconsin, and time to get on the group and share with the group that she had stood up for what she thought. She had stood up, and her son agreed to go to treatment, and she was just back from taking him. So how did she feel? She that Well, so it's really hard to admit your child. Um, it's really hard to admit your child, but she was really very, very proud of herself because had she not done that, she knows that it would have spiraled out of control again. And she got a lot of support from the other members in that group at a time when she's feeling really vulnerable. She got a lot of, wow, you did a really good job. You're a really good mom. Um, we know that was hard for you, but you did a really good job. I'm thinking of the word you used a little bit ago, Jason, bravery. Yeah, that's the exact example and specific situation that aligns with that idea of being brave, the ability to know and admit something is going on, be able to access services and be strong enough to then be present for that group of individuals who support you and know that you have a level of support. And yet then maybe the child comes out of a in. Uh, the campus program in Rockford, or maybe it's outpatient counseling and therapy. If everybody's walking on eggshells, then it's kind of an artificial environment. Right. So I wonder how <laughs> how has the family dynamic changed when somebody is using the services of Rosecrans? Yeah, walking on eggshells would mean that we're almost always waiting for something to happen, and, and we don't want to do that. What we want to 
be as preventative and proactive in putting things in place that change the environment. So that could be as simple as adding structure and accountability through family dinners or uh, having worked in family therapy on open lines of communication when someone is struggling, having services set up beyond just the walls of a residential campus facility. Should I ask my teenager, hey, were you drinking today? Did you smoke marijuana today? Should I, uh, I'll, I'll use the word pester them about it every day? I think we have to trust and have build some of that trust. I think working with the adolescents, we also have to know that where we're at in the recovery journey, where family members sometimes, I don't think pestering them would probably be the the best approach, but a willingness to talk and be open about some of that conversation when some of the warning signs or we think something's going on. It does not mean every day needing to know exactly what's going on with that individual, but understanding that this as a journey, there may be signs that now I know and things have started to drift that I need to recognize and do something about. What are you thinking? I uh, 100% agree. Um, I have said to parents uh, a lot over the years, you need you need to trust your instincts. You're you're going to know in their behaviors before you're ever going to get a uh, yeah, mom, I got high today out of their mouth. You're gonna you are going to know it in their behaviors. I agree one hundred percent. I would imagine that parent cafe is just such a good sounding board for them because it probably gives them some reinforcement of these instincts you're talking about. And it, it, the other thing that does is let them know they're not alone, that there are other parents, that parents a lot of times feel like this is all their fault. There are other parents that are good parents, and they're good parents too. And there is no judgment in that. And it, we often say you didn't parent them into this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we do. Really, that's a, a phrase uh, that yeah. – uh, well, I'm glad you're saying all of those things because I think so much of our conversation, my mindset is right in these conversations is the child, the child, the child. But what about the parent who's helping them either deal with the child or deal with their own emotions, their own skills? Absolutely, and it's, incre- it's, it's just imperative. There is, there is a saying that says you, can change, you can't change your child, but you can change yourself. And therefore, have an effect on the parent-child relationship. So if I call Rosecrans, do I need to be willing to do both? Like, I'm going to be brave and commit my son to a program or encourage him, but then I have to buy into something, too. There has to be a willingness, and we strongly encourage involvement in our family program or the parent cafe, because you do need that support, especially over the last year. There are so many layers to COVID-19 with the family members that, as you alluded to, we think about the teen, the child, what's going on with them. That is something that family member has to manage, but they're also managing the finances that have changed, the jobs that have changed, child care situations, the other children at home. So there are so many things. I think we have to encourage those family members to be open to the process as well. And this pandemic has just made all of those things more stressful. And now I got to do this too. Ah, crap. You know, I don't know if I have the energy. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to run my family through this ringer. I'll bet you see that, Sandra. And so what happens, we, we do see that. But what happens is parents get energy from other parents, right? 
Parents get energy from the group. Parents look forward to that group. Parents get validation in that group. Parents get a, a ton of support. Sometimes when it gets really emotional, you can see everybody on the WebEx screen, you know, and they have tears in their eyes because it is a place where you can work on your heart. And maybe I get that just in the positive feedback loop from my child. If they're doing better, maybe now I'm getting more confident. I'm feeling better, too. You can just see it spiraling upward, too, instead of down. Mm -hmm. It definitely spirals spirals upward in terms of seeing that progress. We just want to also make sure that you're taking care of yourself as a unit, because if it is no longer spiraling upward, then you have to have some network to fall back on for yourself and some means by which you're coping, you're taking care of yourself ultimately to help that healing process. I just want to make the adults listening to this feel so comfortable, um, you know, by making that call about reaching out, both because of the, you know, professionalism and sensitivity that you all demonstrate, but also that they're not alone. There's no judging. Mm -hmm. This is especially in a pandemic world, not something that we would not have expected. So don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. You know, (laughs) I don't know if dive right in is the idea, but at least dip your toe in the water, right? Right. Right. Make that call. Um, Do you have advice for or thoughts for, just as we conclude this conversation, for teachers, maybe not the immediate family, but uh, they become part of our family, coaches, uh, maybe other adults in the community that are close to this family? What should they be expecting as, as we all sort of come out of our houses now? I think there's going to be a transitional period where there's going to be a little, some self-doubt. There's going to be some um, acting out in, in, in different kinds and types and kinds of ways. I think there is. Um, and, and, I, and I think I guess the one thing that I, if, I could, if, if anybody could hear anything, it would be, please reach out. Please reach out. Don't, you don't have to do this by yourself. You, the adult, you don't have yeah, to solve yeah, this. You don't, you don't have to solve everything. Please reach out. We're happy, we're happy to help you. Yeah. What would you say? Educate yourself. Know what's available in your area. And I love that idea that you are not alone. However, that child trusted you. They, you, they may be showing you behaviors or telling you things mm-hmm. as the coach, as the teacher that they didn't share with family members, professionals. So if you have that relationship, it's so important to then listen, be present for them, Mm -hmm. and then link them with some level of professional resource. Yeah. Well, this is not the first time in this series of podcasts we've heard somebody say, you know, sort of expect some outbursts or sort of anticipate Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be the way it was when we started 18 months ago. Allow that to happen, right? Or at least anticipate it and, and maybe be ready to manage that. I almost wonder if is the possibility that one would overreact to that too. How, you know, how do you score what's happening in a moment where somebody's behaving unusually? There may be some level of hypersensitivity where we want to jump right in and solve everything and do it. That's why I say really take a deep breath, step back, try to see what's going on, ask questions about what's going on with that individual. And if there is some of those changes, understand what you're going to do and respond to prior to ever getting in that classroom or in that team environment. There is not, has not been a routine for the last year. Routine has been change. And so going into an environment now where we're 
required to follow rules and structure, that's going to be different for a lot of individuals, and they may struggle with it. And understanding that struggle in that, okay, maybe I need to pull that person aside, talk to them, really see what's going on. But they, our teens also really respond well to that structure. So knowing that by you providing some of those expectations for them, being upfront about the expectations, I, I think that's the one thing that we know we cannot assume they know what we expect of them. Hmm. We have to be open to sharing that and having those conversations, even though they're adolescents or children, we need to be willing to step up and say, you know, here is what I expect from you today. Sandra, last thought from you about maybe what families can expect, what they can learn from this, this podcast per se. I think there's two things that I would like for them to learn, and that the the first one is is they're not alone. It's not it's not their fault. They didn't make a mistake. Um, walking forward is again yet uncharted territory. Nobody knows how to do it. We've got some guidelines. We've got some guidelines for that. But I, I would like to echo be 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 present and be responsive. That's Sandra Riley, CADC Misa Rosecrans Outreach Counselor, and Jason Riley. LCPC Rosecrans Clinical Director. I'm John Williams, and this is On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Click on rosecrans.org or call 866-330-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting. Rosecrans, life's waiting.